and welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland. This week we are an Arsenal podcast uh, for the post Mulder game in the Europa League. This evening I am joined by Femi. Femi, how's it going? Going good, Josh. Good evening and good evening to all the people in the comments. Good to see everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. I think first person I saw slide into the chat box, oh, well, the first one was Danny, the GFP, but he doesn't count. So who's the next one in there that wasn't one of Danny's other many burner accounts? Yes, the Hybrid in. We see you. Uh, I think it's True Guna. Uh, for Pepe Pepe, give us a wave. And yeah, I think that's probably where we're going to go through most of this game. Because as you can see, if you are watching on YouTube, you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast. We are still doing the thing with Manscaped. So, you know, I know Black Friday is upon us and a big Thanksgiving congratulations. Merry Thanksgiving. I don't know what the traditional greeting is for it. Femi, can you help me out there? Any idea? Uh, happy Black Day. Saturday, Friday, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. We'll go with that. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Because there are some people who, you know, in preparation for getting into that post-Turkey coma, had to go through that first half. And one thing you could have done, instead of watch us for 45 minutes, try and create anything close to a goal, was shave your ball bag instead. That is definitely one of the things you could have done. And at Manscaped at the moment, if you go onto their website and use the code BURKAMP, you will get 20% off. That's the plugging bit out of the way, I think. And let's kind of go through the game, Femi. Should we talk a little bit about the first half? I know there isn't a lot to talk about. Um, my main highlight being the Phil Bab slash moment of... Uh, <laughs> particular molder player and yeah is there anything else you kind of want to want to talk through no 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 it was I, I don't know if the guy was more concerned about what was about to happen to him or the, the <laughs> miss that he that horrendous miss from like one yard out which was a uh, pretty impressive to be fair maybe he, he saw what was coming the, the lights were flashing in his head and he fought for <laughs> uh, it was I, it was one of those that I think yeah at some point when he's making connection with it he suddenly realises that the uh, the post is getting perilously <laughs> close to uh, <laughs> him making a connection with it <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I think the worst thing about the worst thing about it was the fact that BT Sport did not even draw attention to it <laughs> I, like, yeah. I mean I, I did it to be fair I, because they didn't draw attention to it i just heard oh great save until i saw the replay i thought <laughs> oh what what that was a great save and then i saw the replay i was like was that really a save or did, <laughs> did he clear it even, off the line onto yeah. our keeper while going even, crashing I into even, i didn't even notice the save point of view i was like oh nothing got attached to it in the end i was too busy looking at what was happening in the name oh, and that yeah. guy had to do a head count afterwards. It's like, <laughs> right, how many have I got left? <laughs> uh, but oh, let's talk man. a little bit about the lineup as well, because it's yeah, a bit yeah. odd. Um, just run us through it as well a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, um, obviously, when you see, I mean, as soon as I saw the lineup, I sent a message to one of my WhatsApp group. I was like, what formation do you think we're playing? So I kind of figured we're playing four out of back. Um, the way the lineup was 
sort of read out. It looked like Cedric was left back, but obviously uh, Baitland Niles was a uh, proper left back today, not left wing back, which is a uh, kind of he hasn't done that for a while actually, playing like like a proper left back probably since the Emery days, early on in the Emery days maybe. Um, and then you've got um, then when the midfield came out, that's when you were a bit like, okay, what what are we going to do here? I initially had Eddie playing out wide and Reese Nelson playing central, but mm-hmm. to everyone's surprise, we did line up in a four-two-three-one, but with Lacazette in the dropping off number ten role, um, which was yeah, really really interesting <laughs> to say the yeah, least. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. I think when I saw the lineup, I was thinking, yeah, a bit like you. What is this going to look like? And my assumption yeah. was something like we saw against Leeds where Lacazette might be that kind of Willock kind of role right next I just, to I just didn't. Yeah. I just didn't see that. I just didn't see Lacazette yeah. playing as a proper number 10, but yeah. I can kind of, I, I mean, as the game went on, I saw why he was playing that role. Um, but it, it, I mean, to, it was a surprise to start with, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was, yeah, just a kind of four at the back to him, if you and then basically four, a full front four, a bit like we saw against Leeds. Yeah. Um, Lacazette, I think we could kind of talk about his uh, influence and how he kind of coped at that number 10, because it was a a different position for him, I think. Um, he wasn't necessarily having to do as much hold-up play yeah. before. Um, but how did you think he was in terms of trying to be that more creative focal point or at least distribute out to the wide players? So I think in terms of space he he seemed to find a lot of space in terms of dropping so when he dropped uh molder didn't really go with him so he did find a lot of space um i mean we started off quite well with him you know dropping off receiving a ball playing it out wide that's literally what the tactic was him receiving the ball playing it out wide so he did i don't know what his touch map was mm. in the first half or his pass map but he seemed to as soon as he gets the ball, he pops it off, especially to Reese Nelson in the first half. And um, yeah, so I mean, in terms of that, but in terms of, I think there was a couple of opportunities to have a crack at goal, especially in the uh, one when he was in the box in the first half. And he, he sort of, he dilly dallies, he, he doesn't make up his mind quickly enough. And we've seen that before, you know, we've seen that he, um, he, he just, he seems to hesitate when it comes to shooting the ball, especially when he's in the box. And as soon as he hesitates, someone is on him like a flash. It's, it's always him as well. So, but I mean, a, a lot of people are saying that he, he had a poor evening. I, I think. I don't know, to be honest, because if we had an orthodox number 10 playing that role, I don't think a lot of people would say the number 10 had a poor evening. He did most of what was asked of him. He sprayed the ball around. Um, I mean, he didn't get enough shots off. I'll give you that. Um, but I don't think he had a particularly poor evening compared to his his recent performances, to be fair. Yeah, no, he had, um, I was going to say, in terms of, like you were saying with the shooting, I think he knew that there was probably a goal in it for him today. I think that's why he was so disappointed when he eventually came off. Um, well, I mean, you have to kind of have to shoot to score. And yeah, <laughs> he only, had, I mean, he had one shot that I can remember that the keeper made a comfortable save. The rest of the time, he, he kind of hesitates to shoot. 
and within a second, I mean, this is modern football. Within a second, you've got players just just camped all over you, especially when you're in the box trying to shoot. I think he had another opportunity to have a shot, and he, he played it wide as well. So, I mean, you can be disappointed, but I mean, he, I, I said to someone when he's coming off, why does he always look like he's going to cry every time he, he comes off the pitch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this, we'll talk through Brees Nelson's performance as well, because I think he was yeah. a shining light of that first half as well. Yeah. A lot of the play was coming through him, and he looked like he was going to make the most of the opportunities. Um, do you think he has played himself into starting at the weekend, bearing in mind Pepe's suspended? Well, I think... That depends on the William injury because from the injury report that I read, Saka will be back on Sunday and Saka will... See, this is the thing with Reese Nelson that's really interesting. When he plays from the left, he looks really, really good. Mm. Like a very decent player. When he plays from the right, he doesn't look good. It's really weird. It's like when he plays on the left, he actually looks Mm. like he's got a lot of potential um, and it's interesting because Saka will play on Sunday. No matter, I mean, they said he had a dead leg and he'll be available on Sunday. So the big mystery is William. If William is fit, unfortunately, um, he will start. <laughs> he will start. So if you're looking at Saka on the left, William on the right, there's no space for Reese. And I've got a weird feeling we could see Lacazette playing behind Aubameyang in the ten. Just, just, just a sneaky little feeling um, that he might have been happier with that, because uh, I'm sure we can probably talk about other players, but I think Willock just looks so much more comfortable in that deeper role than the number ten role um, today. But um, uh, Reese Nelson played. I mean, someone's saying he was bad, but I thought he was really, really good. Quick feet, moved the ball quickly, especially first half, like you were saying. He did tire in the second half after 60, 65 minutes. He kind of faded out of the game. But before that, I mean, everything that we had went through him, really. All the attacks. Uh, as soon as he got the ball, he either drove inwards or he gave it to um, to Maitland-Niles, who was flying down the left as well. So I, I thought... Personally, I, I was I was raving about him. <laughs> Personally, I thought he had a good game. Yeah, and I think that kind of, in terms of chances we created in that first half, there weren't too many for us to kind of talk about. In general, it was very much. Um, I think the best way I had could kind of describe it is one of those games that we had under Emery. You know, where we just didn't do anything in the first half, and you almost needed to send a rocket up us in the second. But I still thought that. Compared to maybe it's just, I mean, it's slim pickings, isn't it? Compared to yeah. recently, I still thought we were a lot more lively yeah. in the first half. I mean, just taking it alone, just we didn't. I mean, against Leeds, we looked like we had lead in our boots. You know, this this first half, at least, we looked more sprightly. There was more, a little bit more movement. Um, uh, I mean, we had like seven, was it four to seven shots in the first half, which is. Yeah amazing compared to what we've had before and we we just didn't move the ball fast enough mm. I would say that's that's probably the difference between first and second half yeah so let's go into the second half as well because yeah when you see the final stats we had 19 shots in total and eight shots on target um which is just probably what the combined total of our last three games put together yeah. <laughs> um, I think second half, we see a completely different Nicolas Pepe 
someone that has been told to be a bit more direct and not necessarily wait for his teammates to catch up with him because we see an, a good couple of runs um, yeah. from him. He hits the bar, which I think is very, very unlucky um, from his point of view because you could see he was trying that for the first half and it wasn't necessarily coming off as well. Yeah, And yeah, then we get the first goal and it took us through, um, yeah, Pepe's goal. Yeah, I mean, um, what well, he had, he had one in the first half where he bent it. It didn't have the curl on it. Mm-hmm. Then he had the one that hit the crossbar, as you said. And then third time, lucky, he had um, the ball. I mean, it's amazing how often he is literally, um, what's his name? The ex-Bayern Munich player that used to terrorize us that you know what he's going to do uh, but can never yeah it's literally you know what he's going to do as a as a player but how does the defender stop him especially when you play one-on-one against him if you double up against him it might be easier but once you once he gets one-on-one he he doesn't do it enough but he has got something about him that you can see okay this guy could be something you know if once he gets one-on-one the turn, the left foot is always accurate. Best shooter probably bar Aubameyang in, our, in the whole club. So it's a really good goal. You know, you can't really complain, to be honest, about about the way he started the second half as well. Yeah, and I think uh, what, we, what he's kind of missing is that selfishness because he is very... It's like taking a shot as his second option every yeah. time. In, it looks like that's when what he's thinking when he plays he's like can I play the pass actually I'll take a shot yeah a shot never seems to be his first option but it was a really great goal from him and um you know it's uh, I think Danny had the stats with us somewhere for um Pepe stats in the Europa League but it is very good and we do need someone to you know if we're going to get play the kids we need somebody in the Scots side to you know get the goals and uh, a bit yeah. like Aubameyang in the league. We need somebody to be carrying the team through it. So, yes, five five games and four goals. Um, See, what, 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 what that should translate to is he should, I mean, he should be able to translate that into the Premier League in terms of at least the, I mean, I know it's hard to say this, but the lesser teams in the league, I know it's hard that there's a lot of good teams in the Prem, but to be able, to, if he translates that to at least, if you, even if we're calling him a flat track bully in the league, that he's he's getting you know those sort of stats in the Premier League, that will you know buy him a lot of favour with the fans as well. So he just kind of has to translate that into, even if you play the lesser teams and and you can, I, I saw some people saying stat pad in. If you can stat pad against lesser teams, that's what. That's what some Premier League careers are built on, even on the, at the bigger teams. Yeah, and I think um, he looks so much more confident once he scored as well. It's almost yeah. like you need to say to Pepe, you know what, take the last five minutes of uh, the warm-up, stick a couple in the top corner, and then just think you're already going onto the pitch scoring a goal. You've already got yeah. one there. Go and get more. Because it just... It completely changed the game. I think Willock with the assist there, and then Willock again five minutes later plays in Reese Nelson, who makes a superb run. It starts from so far out the run that he plays to get straight into the middle and get on the end of this ball. From yeah, uh, that was. Yeah. I mean, that literally movement. 
that was all about movement. From the first pass that um, Willett played to Pepe, as soon as he played the pass, he was on his bike going, running into space. We see that happen against us so many times that teams just run off of our players. If, I mean, I, I have nightmares dreaming of players running off of Xhaka as soon as they pass the ball, you know, and he can't keep up with them. But re, um, yeah, as soon as he gave the ball, he was gone. And it's just that first movement. We see Man City, that's a Man City goal, isn't it? We see Man City do that all the time. And then Raheem Sterling will come flying from the left with a tap-in, just like Reese Nelson. So that's definitely one that is from the training ground, to be fair. And uh, one that I would love to see us make those types of movements. And I think that that was the difference within the second half, the forward passing and the movement. So there was no one standing still. There was no one static. Um, there was this constant movement, which was much, it just makes it much harder to defend. You know, what, the reason why we've been so easy to defend against recently is there's so much um, static players in our team and it's it's just frightening. But this time around, the movement was much, much better. Yeah, and I think that's the one really interesting thing is looking at the players that are moving around. I think it's why I'm so keen to see well, we'll talk about him in a second, Balogun come in and play more because the variety of runs that he offers compared to someone like Nketiah is just so much more varied. And I think he wants to go in behind. And we've got those players like Nelson wants to get beyond the ball. The same with Willock. He also wants to get beyond it. And we're not necessarily seeing that from our senior players. Like people will joke about Lacazette and look like, you know, he was walking around in the park, you know, because he was so tired or just he's really unfit. It's one of the two towards the end of that second half. And yeah, it's just like there's that lethargy about our senior players that we just don't see, um, you know, in the youngsters, which I suppose is, you know, the bit of youth. Yeah, but. I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I watch. That, do you know what, what makes me agree with that? When I watched Leeds the other day, I was like, Leeds, man for man, do not have the greatest of teams individually, do they? But the way they, I mean, I, that's like, the, I mean, I watched them play against us at the Emirates. They were good, but they kind of controlled the game a little bit more. But when I watched them on Saturday, it was sort of the running. They, they were, I said to someone, in, I said, we look like we're running on mud. They look like they are skating on ice. That's, that's how it looked. And I said, why is it that we just look so lethargic and run down? And it, it's just like, it was so weird. And, and like you're saying, it maybe it is a thing with the, the senior players. Maybe it's just, we need to just mix it up a little bit more. But coming off a lot of players have played international break as well. And maybe we just need to manage minutes, but I mean, now that we're through, we should be able to manage them a lot, a lot better, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I think getting these three points was absolutely key for then as we get into this busier Christmas period, we've got two games. We don't need to worry about. We can just send whoever we want out in those. And, you know, if we get a point in the next two games, I think that guarantees us top. Um, Big shout I don't out. Know, what was I don't know what the other score was to be fair. Uh I don't either, but twelve points is definitely good enough for us to go up top, I think. Um big shout from Mike Harneman as well, who has stuffed five pounds down the front of Danny's not manicured front. Um 
and I was going to do this whilst I found out what the... Does anyone know what group we are in? There's too many groups. Group B, that's helpful. Uh, so, yeah, we are 12 points. Um, so we've won the group, then. We've basically qualified already. Mulder are on six points. And they Rapid can't pass Vienna. us. Because... They can't pass us because um, it's not goal difference that they use head in Europe. Head-to-head, yeah. Head-to-head. Rapid Vienna are... Uh, then also on six points, and unfortunately Dundalk are on zero points. So yeah, I think we've definitely got a chance. Uh, I think I can't remember what we, uh, what the Rapid Vienna score was now off the top of my head. Was it one nil? We beat them. Was it two nil? No, we beat them more than one nil. I'm sure we scored a few goals in that. Yeah, but they basically need to better that score. Is what I was trying to get to anyway to beat us in head to head. So I don't think. We can kind of uh, see that as a problem and we should be able to make it through. Um, but let's also talk about, um, well, I was going to go, should I go through the subs as well? Let's go through the subs because there's a couple of subs that happened before um, the third goal of the evening. Uh, Kieran Tierney uh, came on, as did Sabios for Xhaka and Willock. Oh, and... Mm. Emil Smith-Rowe for Lacazette. Um, what did you think of the performance of uh, Smith-Rowe as well? There. Oh, man, this is this is my um, one of my personal favourite players. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got this thing about, I mean, ever since I've seen this kid play, he's so special. And if he could stay injury-free, I think he could be, he could be such a good asset for for the team. Um, obviously, he came on uh, quite late on. Um, I mean, he, he he did all right. He was always making himself available. He's he's a lot taller now. He's he's grown up a lot more. Um, we can see that he's physically growing. Um, maybe that that might contribute to some of the injuries you know that he's having. Because I, I mean, we've had players like that in the past who at uh, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen get a lot of injuries and then. And then you know, grow through it. We've had the Ramses, we've had the the um, Kieran Gibbs, Gail Clichy. If you look back at their career when they were younger, when they were growing, they had a lot of injuries, and some of them kind of like, especially someone like Gail Clichy, just it, it passed, you know. But um, he's a player that I really, really like. Um, he he makes space. Obviously, he got an assist as well. Mm. Um, so I cannot complain about that. Um, yeah, I've got high hopes for him. Hopefully we can see him a little bit more in the next two group games as well. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the interesting things about about one of the other subs that came on as well was Kieran Tierney, was that we then moved Maitland-Niles into the midfield. Um, I don't know what that means going forward, but it's just one of those interesting things that kind of occurred at that point, that if we're playing three men in midfield then there is potentially an opportunity for Maitland-Niles to play in a position that he has said previously that he would like to play in centrally. But then let's talk about the kind of, I don't want to say poster boy because we do have a, (laughs) uh, you know, a tendency to overreact or overhype certain talents. But um, yeah, and Ketia came off and was replaced by Balogun, who we did see for... A little bit of a cameo in the previous Europa League game. I think he played 10 minutes or so uh, in that one and got another 10 minutes in this one. But should we talk about what would be his, what, I think it was his second touch? 
first and second touch. First yeah. and second touch. I think it was what you were kind of saying of these players that we've got that are so hesitant to take a shot. He didn't think twice, did he? He just was like, fuck this, I'm burying it. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, Smith Rowe plays in a great ball to him and he just gets it out of his feet. And do you think he's done the goalkeeper or do you think he scuffed it? I think, I, think I, oh, I don't know. I think he knew exactly what he yeah. wanted to do. <laughs> Even before the ball came to him, he had a picture in his mind of what he wanted to do. That's that's my personal thinking. What do you think? I mean, I'm happy you said that. The only reason I said <laughs> that maybe he scuffed it is I was covering myself for potentially quite a poor opinion. <laughs> and I can't come out straight and say he definitely meant to put it straight down the middle. Because, yeah, the keeper goes, dives... Yeah dives down to the bottom corner and Balogun's gone, who plays it into the corner? I'm just going to smash it straight down the middle because that's not where you're going to go. A bit like, you know, <laughs> playing a penalty straight down the middle. You assume the goalkeeper's going to dive. So, you know, percentage is set, yeah. but straight down the middle. Uh, yeah, I think so. Thunder Road in the chat is saying it's okay to say I fancy Balogun because of his Nigerian <laughs> descent. <laughs> Do you know what the funny thing is? I actually know um, one one of my friends is is like a family friend of his, yeah. and um, I remember in the summer he said, "Oh, Femi's off. He's off." <laughs> he, that's what, and I, yeah. that was before all the rumors came out. He said, "Oh, he's not happy. You know, he's not even getting training with mm-hmm. the first team, and he, he's just he's just off." He's just not happy, and every every time I ask him now, he just never replies. I even I, t- I sent him a message just now. I said he's a Man United fan, by the way. I yeah. sent him a message. I'm like, oh, Balogun just scored with his first touch, and he literally <laughs> has not replied to me at all. A couple of weeks ago, I said I heard Balogun signing a new contract, yeah. and he's staying. He said he did not reply to that. He just ignored it. Never spoke about it. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's definitely. I mean, a lot of us has. I've been keeping an eye on this kid. You know, he's scoring record at all the age groups. is just just phenomenal, isn't it? And 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 is it me? I'll, I'll ask you this: If you look at the size of him when he comes on, isn't he just physically just at nineteen? Just he looks. Yeah, this is the odd thing that because I said it before and I realised it was just when I looked at it like in the stats. Um, and Ketty is only an inch shorter than Balogun. <laughs> now, whether or not FIFA uh, or transfer market, whoever's doing these things hasn't got a tape measure to Balogun in the last year, and he's had a growth spurt over the summer. There's no yeah. fucking way there's an inch difference between the two of them. Because yeah, just how he physically holds himself. And I think when he's looking to make a run as well, he's always very big. Like he always kind of stretches himself out. He always makes sure that the attacker can see him or the guy that's got the ball, the playmaker can play him in. He's demanding the ball every so often and look to be the only player that I've seen in a while that's demanding the ball over the top. And someone's fulfilling that as well. Like you saw Aubameyang do it and Aubameyang does it in games. Like he's calling for the ball over the top and he's just not getting it. Yeah. And maybe it's because, you know, he's coming on the last 10 minutes of games uh, where the play's stretched, there's a bit more space in behind and they fancy, you know, the kids come on. They want him to make, make sure that he stays as well because they can see the talent and they want to make sure that, you know, he's getting the service yeah. that he'd like. But there does seem to be something... 
very different in this kid. Um, there is uh, there does seem. he's added a few zeros to those negotiations. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I really wonder how. Um, What's his name leaving will affect those negotiations. Um, our contract negotiator, uh, yeah, yeah, because we're basically starting from scratch with this negotiation. You know, a new negotiation team, uh, whatever happened seems to have been swept under the carpet, and he's he's making strides, isn't he? Yeah, and I think we've got Edu in place now, and we've got um, Tim Lewis. I imagine that's what I kind of saw from it was we've got rid of the guy that drew up contracts, but we've also simultaneously brought in a guy who's a lawyer. Yeah. You know, as a big, um, you know, as a partner, at a big law firm in London, chances are, you know what we've probably, we're just probably just subbing the, uh, work out to them to get the contracts written up to negotiate a contract. You don't need necessarily a lawyer to do that. You just need, you know, Edu can do that. Murtasaka can be doing it. We just need yeah. the people to draw stuff up. And I so think- then I wonder now is what is it that will convince him to stay? Is a big question, isn't it? Because mm. is it now about game time? Is it about a pathway? Um, what 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 was what are we gonna? How are we gonna? Because the the more we play him and build him up, I mean, literally in January he. I know it's different for under 24s um, in terms of speaking to other clubs and, yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, he's literally six months from the end of his contract um, in, in January. That's in a, like four weeks, you know, so we kind of need to get a, a move on on this. This is one of, this should be like one of the high priorities, I would say. Yeah. I, I'm getting very much deja vu with Saka as well because yeah. it was a really similar you know thing with him where he was coming through and he was smashing it for us even in you know in the premier league he was just superb but running that contract down so to speak and i think yeah it's a big decision for the kid as well to have a look at what we've got in place mm. i think most of the fan base are fairly convinced we'll look for a striker in the summer to come in and replace a lacazette yeah. Um, so then, regard. then like asking you then, mm. my personal, I've got an opinion, but I want to ask you then, what would yeah. you do then? Because I'm looking at Lacazette and Enketia, and I'm looking at Enketia right now, and I'm thinking, this is the type of player that a Liverpool would mm. take and use to raise funds in terms of he's not doing it in the first team for us, mm. but he's got an under-21 stock right now that is rising and rising, and that is definitely must be worth something. What, what do you think of that? Uh, I would have said last summer, as well as this summer, that I would have shifted in Ketia if a decent thing came in. The only reason I would have held on to him was purely because of what was happening with Balogun, mm-hmm. to make sure we had a young striker in there. But then we've also got uh, Tyrese John Jules as well, yeah. who is out on loan. He's another young striker coming through. I wouldn't necessarily... You know where we like to kind of hold on to our young players coming through because we don't think we'll get another one in that position. You know, like if we found a left-back coming through our academy, you know we'd hold on to them for the rest of the time because we just don't have that in yeah. the squad at the moment. The same if we saw another, a defensive midfielder come through. But striker, we've got so many options in there. Yeah. And you can see the likes of Rian Brewster, 
who went off to Sheffield United from mm-hmm. Liverpool in the summer. I think they paid 20, 20 plus 25 million for him. Yeah, 25, that, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of money we could look to get from Enketia. And I think that's one of the things that I'd potentially look like. If we could sign Balogun up, then I think the minutes in the Europa League, the minutes in the League Cup can go to someone like him there because those would have been the things that Eddie would have got, the minutes Eddie would yeah. have got. Yeah. And bring in another striker, um, someone who's around you know, the 25 kind of age. Someone's going to give us a good three years or so. Yeah. Gives Balogun the chance to say, right, no, not a huge amount of pressure on you because we've still got this guy here. We've still got a Bamiyang who can play up front if we need to as well. And then we've also got the youngsters pushing him as well. So it's not like a case of, you know, kind of sit there and it's fine. You've got three years to make an impact. He's still got to have that pressure underneath him. So, yeah, I, I wonder whether or not. Yeah, because I don't get that feeling from Nketiah. I know he's got that kind of striker's instinct, but there's a bit more to his game that I think he was missing. It's one of the huge frustrations yeah. of why we decided to recall him from Leeds. I think we should have kept him there. <laughs> yeah, I've um, heard you say that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure I won't bore anyone else with me continuing to say it as well. It's true. No, it is but, true. Uh, who have we got as well I was just trying to see if we've got any questions from the listeners um, we got that, uh, we, uh, speaking of young strikers I mean there's an, a young striker that, uh, I think he's is he Swedish or so? I don't know where he's from that, that that is making strides or making headlines in training um, he's quite new a tall Scandinavian player Muller someone's saying that there or Danny's putting that there Muller okay. he's, he's making strides um in training apparently and and then on the 21s i saw a compilation of him um he's under 21 performances he's quite a handful at that age group already yeah and i think that's the that's the thing about why we shouldn't be so um precious about Nketiah. yeah for me anyway that if we can get money for him yeah go and get it you know we weren't the money came in for Martinez and we decided to cash in. I think the same happens for Nketiah if that happens as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we've got the right negotiating team as well to get these kind of money out of it. But let's I hope like so. It. I mean, the, the days of taking, I mean, the days of, of getting low fees for players has to, has to kind of stop. That's the only way we're going to push forward is, is to, it's to start getting fees for players now, you know, especially with money the way it is, I'm sure, by next season. So, yeah, we'll see. and if we've got any want to get uh, Sabozloy um, from RB Salzburg, we're going to yeah. need cash up front as well to get those kind yeah. of players. So, I'm quite happy with us trying to raise funds. We know we've got a bloated squad, so people are going to have to leave. Uh, but we've got a couple of questions that have come in. Uh, one from Julian Salmon, and I'll ask you this quick one: Would you take Christian Eriksen? Uh, no, no, cool. I, I, I don't see. I mean, he for me, he was he's never a personal threat to Arsenal when he was in the Premier League. As far as I was concerned, he's not the quickest. Um, he's not the most uh, physical. Yes, he's. I mean, you would say. 
creative, yes. Set pieces, yes, maybe. But I don't see the difference between an Ericsson and a William. Um, if I'm, if that's me being honest, um, his performances in Italy have not gone down well at all. Obviously, he's playing for a demanding manager, but I mean, at the same time, he his performances for Tottenham six months before he left were saying absolutely nothing as well. So, you know, we've seen that before with Alexis Sanchez. Do we want to really take another high-paid player to come? And, I mean, you've just mentioned a 20-year-old Hungarian player. That's 20 years old. So much more upside. You're paying 25 million euros for him. So, what, 23, 24 million pounds maybe? I mean, so much more upside. By the time you get an Ericsson, there's there's no upside to him, to be honest. There's nothing. There's no resale value. There's there's nothing. He's just another 28, 29, 30-year-old player that you're adding to the squad that you'll never get rid of, to be honest. So for me, it's a no. Yeah, it's a flat no from me as well. (laughs) Because, yeah, as you say, he's 30 years old, so we'd have to get rid of three players. 30, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'd have to get rid of him, get rid of three players to bring him into the squad. And we, I was going to say, if you're going to shift a player, you know, if you shift three players out to try and bring someone like Ericsson in, why don't you bring in Mesut Ozil for three months or for, for the rest of his contract? <laughs> because there's the same kind of player. To yeah, exactly. exactly. If it was straight out of Ajax, kind of Christian Eriksen, yes, because we could have linked him up with Dent. Um, I know he called him Dennis Bentner, Nicholas Bentner, uh, <laughs> and you know create that Danish partnership that they had going there for their national team. Um, yeah, uh, a question we have got. Oh, one from Mike Harneman. I think we'll go this one because we're going a bit long and that's my fault has reese nelson done enough for you guys to get a start against wolves on sunday to replace pepe i think we covered it a little bit yeah we kind of covered it yeah what what did you think actually you didn't really answer that uh one earlier i think yes but then you brought up a great point of what we do with lacazette um does lacazette go back up at number um you know playing as a nine uh or do we have him sitting a little bit deeper. Um, and then in which case do we see a Bamiyang and Lacazette basically up top together and then Nelson and Willian on the wings. That does sound quite good to me, to be honest, to start against Wolves. Um, I think perhaps that's what Arteta was trying this evening was Lacazette playing slightly deeper with some, with a striker directly ahead of him. And see what he's done. But yeah, I think Nelson has done enough to warrant him coming in if, I think as you said, Saka isn't necessarily ready to start. William is, William is probably the one that you, <laughs> you're going to look at. <laughs> yeah, William is the one that will want to drop, but is he the one that Arteta's going to drop, realistically? I don't think yeah, so. he's going to start, isn't he? Um, yeah, he's going to start him. Uh, and I think you're probably looking at Reese Nelson playing 90 minutes tonight probably means he won't start as well because most of the players that came off, you could see as they were coming off, like a Xhaka comes off early, a Lacazette comes off early. You kind of think it's with one eye on, especially when Xhaka comes off at 2-0. You know, if it goes 2-1, don't know what's going to happen. But once you start taking players off at that age, at, um, at that time then you're probably thinking a player playing 90 minutes probably isn't playing on on sunday 
Yeah, that's that is true. Uh, right, uh, we're just coming up to forty minutes. I know we've said this season we want to keep these a little bit shorter. The discussion will always continue after these shows on our Discord channel. I can't remember what it is. Daniel put links in there. Uh, I have started creating various different categories, and if anybody has an idea of what different channel sub channels categories, I'm not sure what they're called uh, for them. We will create them. We'll get them in. I think there's one called Fife's Forum in there already. There is one for anybody who has done some manscaping and would like to show off their uh, their wares. John Welsh has officially subscribed to that one, and we will be ensuring he rates your shave as well. Um, I can absolutely guarantee that on John's behalf, who has not heard that this is something we're doing, but we'll have to agree with it now that it's in place. Um Femi, do you have anybody to kind of shout out to? Uh, Otherwise, I will thank you for being on this evening. No, just shout out to everyone in the chat. I've been reading the chat. Everyone's got some good points. Um, I disagree with some, agree with some, but it's always good to... And here's me signing up for Discord, going into the chat so we can continue the chat when the live is finished. Uh, But yeah, and thank you to Mike as well, who... uh, gave us a little donation as i say if you do want to uh be a little bit trimmer for winter then go to manscape.com and use the code burkamp for 20 percent off if you do like what we're doing you can also give us a like on whichever platform you're listening to us on subscribe click a bell icon so you know when we go live and there's another thing you can probably do as well leave us a review why not positive negative i don't mind because Danny will read them and pass us on all of the feedback as well. We wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And the only thing I can now ask is, Danny, can you switch this off, please? As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>